Welcome to No Bucks Given, the equestrian podcast where we have honest conversations about the horse industry. Whether it's debunking a common myth and the science behind it or lack thereof, or discussing both sides of a controversial social topic, we get to the bottom of what matters most, how best to care and advocate for our horses. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, my friend and mentee, Brittany Gray of Grayscale Equine. Today, we're going over our first year as an equine massage therapist and any advice that we have for an equine massage therapist looking to grow their business, improve their income while making an impact and helping horses. So Brittany, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to sit down with you because I think that I have so much respect for you and your business and the way you run your business. But I also think it's cool that even though you're my mentee and I worked with you so much as you were starting out, I think that we both have some different approaches to our businesses and we took different paths to each have successful businesses. So I think that this is going to be a really fun conversation filled with a lot of really actionable business advice for people starting out. I agree. I think Maya and I really balance each other out well. (laughs) I'm very type A where she's a little bit more lenient with a lot of things. Um, But I don't know. We just we grow from each other like we have so much to teach each other. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, So, you know, let's compare and contrast a little bit. So we're both relatively new in the field. I'm just getting into my fourth year of my business and you're just getting into your second year of business essentially um and we both just want to kind of reflect on our first year and all the lessons we learned and like really getting our business started so that anyone listening to this um can use these tips and then go on and hopefully have a better business for it so my first year of business Um, was really cool because I feel like um, I really went out on a limb. So I um, had been working for both my mentors and a spa at the same time. And I had saved up just enough money. It was just under, I think it was like $1,600 in my bank account. It was just under two grand. Um, And I knew that I could support myself and my horse um, into my rust bucket of a car on that money for a month while I went and tried to be full time. Cause I had been kind of working a few different jobs and like slowly building up my clientele. Um, but I wanted to see if I could do it for real full time. So I saved up that money and then I took like a leave of absence from my spa job and I went out and like very quickly, my business like really exploded, which looking back is cool because not only was I early on in my business, but I, it was going into winter and it was COVID. It was November of 2020. So it was a hard time to be in business. Um, but you know, I think that there are a lot of things that I did wrong and I did right that we can discuss on this um, episode so that people can learn from my mistakes. Um, but what did your first year of business look like? Um, it was definitely slow, slow to pick <laughs> up, <laughs> which is the scariest part, honestly. A lot of people yeah. want to quit when it's slow, um, and it went through my mind, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was worth it in the long haul. Um, my first business was first year in business was a little scary, but Maya helped me through a lot of it. Um, I think the big thing that really set me up for success for my first year was prepping prepping everything while I was slow. Like take advantage mm. of not being busy, take advantage of that time and invest into your business, the time and energy. Um, for example, I set up all of my filing sy- systems, my liability waivers, my insurance, my social media, just kind of got everything ready so that everything would run smoothly once I 
things did start picking up. Uh, I think that was definitely a key to success. But I mean, it's hard. You're starting your business alone. It's not like you have employees. It's not like you have really anyone unless you have a mentor like I did, Maya. Um, So you really just kind of have to figure it out. Uh, Just keep going, moving forward, really. Um, Sorry. Yeah, I think that that's, um, I think that you bring up a really good point, which is to get your systems and anything legal and then any of that back end stuff that takes time and money and effort to set up, getting that done ahead of time is a really good idea. So I definitely skipped some steps when I started out and then I had to play catch up, which was hard, but there were some things that I did right. So, you know, um, I graduated school at the in May of 2019 um, and then I gave myself basically a year before I went out on my own but then COVID hit around March so during COVID while everything was super shut down I took the time and I spent about a week making my website um, and I did it all of my all myself my first website and I felt really good about that and then I also took the time to set up all of my social media channels and then I um, really sat down and I educated myself about a few different things I educated myself about business I read some different business books I read some different branding and social media books and I listened to a lot of podcasts so even though I couldn't work a whole lot because because the world was shut down during those first few months of COVID. Um, I did like really, really hone in on my business and do everything in my power. But what I didn't do that I didn't consider what were some business legality things like, you know, for the first year or two of my business, I was a sole proprietorship instead of an LLC. Um, there were some different things um, money wise. I should have been carefully like managing more carefully. Like I didn't have a QuickBooks set up until Brittany came into my life. I just kept track of everything in a um, Google spreadsheet. <laughs> I would manually type things in, which I don't know why it didn't occur to me to just do QuickBooks. <laughs> I started that way too, honestly, yeah. just because I didn't want to have that added expense because yeah. I wasn't making a ton of money. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, it's worth it. Do the QuickBooks. <laughs> yeah, just do the QuickBooks. Well, and I don't know why, but I did feel like there was something so satisfying at the end of every week I went and I typed physically typed in my income and I added it up and that did feel really good to yeah, me so maybe that isn't a bad way to start out yeah I mean when you're slow too and just starting out small like it's really not that much of a burden so yeah do whatever you feel comfortable <laughs> yeah but so what would you say so I would say some good things to start out with you know as your business is picking up is definitely a website and I hope I'm not like out jargoning anyone here, but definitely um, think about SEO with it. So I'm just going to touch on this super quickly because I do think it's important. So SEO is search engine optimization. So basically that means when you have a website and someone Googles something like horse massage, Kennett, Pennsylvania or something, that basically your search engine optimization is how likely your website is to pop up when someone Googles something related to your services. So some different things that improve that are Google reviews are really huge. So definitely set up um, your business on Google with a location if possible and um, set it up so that your um, clients can review your website and review your business on Google. But then also having a bunch 
bunch of different kinds of text on your website. Um, there are a lot of different easy things you can do to make your website super findable when people are looking for your services. So definitely take the time. It really, if you just look up a few podcasts about SEO, you can spend a few hours and learn enough to be dangerous with that. Um, but getting your website and your social media set up, um, even if you aren't super consistent with your um, social media at first, the nice thing about a website is you do the work once and you can kind of leave it alone. You don't have to constantly update a website. Social media, get it set up and then just start posting with whatever frequency feels good to you. You know, it used to be just once a week for me um, in the start of my business and now it's more like it's every day. Um, but just getting started and having some presence online, you're definitely going to see dividends from. And I think a lot of people don't think social media is as important for equine body work, but I mean, it really is. And we're not just posting like sales posts. Like we're not just trying to get clients. We're doing educational posts, things that really catch our target audience. Um, So it doesn't need to just be like why people should book you for a, a session. It could be just some anatomy, basic things that horse owners should know. I think that will really get you a well-rounded following um, and bring in some potential leads. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I mentioned, you know, I think that it's no secret that the thing I'm really good at is like business marketing, social media, but I think you're so good at the back-end organizations and systems. So what are some systems you would recommend people have set up early on in their business? All right. So before I was even certified, I started setting everything up just so I was prepped and ready to go. Um, So I started with social media. Like I set up accounts on Facebook, Instagram. Um, I actually won a website giveaway. So I got very lucky with that. Oh, that's cool. Someone else set it up. For the most part, I did a lot of like a lot of the background work and a lot of the copy. But I mean, she did an amazing job and really just took that off my plate for the most part. Um, And then I also created a TikTok. I know it sounds silly and like you won't need it, but I mean, any publicity is good publicity. So you really just want to get people looking at you on all platforms. Um, And then I started taking a look at my office work. So a filing system for all of my paperwork, um, how I wanted to do that. And then I did liability waivers, um, cancellation policies, Any policy that you think you need to have on hand and for clients to sign, I would just take a look at drafting that up. If you work with a lawyer to draft it up, that's usually recommended. Um, I didn't do that. I really should do that, honestly, but I'll get to it, I guess. (laughs) There are a lot of templates available on like LegalZoom and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. LegalZoom is a great resource for any business owner. They have just like templates you can buy and mess with a little bit. So that's more customizable to your business. Exactly. And I also drafted up some new client forms, which isn't quite as much of a liability waiver as just kind of some initial intake forms to get a history of the horse, Um, the client goals, the the horse's background, the workload, age, breed, just random things like that. I send that to each new client. Um, and I set my standard for myself high at the beginning. So each client gets all of those forms before their first session. That's and smart. we go over everything at the beginning of our first session. 
That's a really good idea. And also, yeah, having session reports set up is a good idea. Um, There are different session report software out there. What personally has always worked the best for me is I had someone just make me a PDF file of a session report in Adobe. And then um, I just have Adobe and I make duplicates of the original PDF and then I can go in and edit over it and just add my notes. That's great because it was like a one time, like 50 or $70 fee for my friend to make it. And then Adobe is like 60 bucks for the year to have the software, if that even. So I do think that that's probably the cheapest option. I know other people, you do Adobe, right? I don't. I I make my own and okay. I sell them as well, my own templates. But um, I actually do everything on Procreate. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. But similar thing, like you don't necessarily have to have like a specific session report mm-hmm. um, technology. So, okay. So I think what many people want to know is... Um, how to get clients. And to me personally, I think the very best thing you can do for yourself is network a lot. And that's all that social media is essentially is um, you need to start with um, a social network in person. But I do think that when correctly leveraged, social media can be a really excellent extension of your in-person social network. Um, and that's how I I used it in the beginning. So, you know, I had a really great network of people in my barn and friends in my area, but I didn't know a huge amount of people by any means. But I knew that if I was in one or two barns, I could meet way more horse people. So I started out um, working, just working on my friends' horses and getting started there. And I started posting about them. Um, and I would always take pictures. What I tried to do is take pictures of every horse I worked on and tag the person because then that person is going to share the picture. And then way more equestrians are going to see, um, you working on their friend's horse. And I still, to this day, get clients that way, not because I necessarily have to get more clients at this stage in my business, but a friend, um, a client will take a picture of me, post it. And then um, very recently I got a pretty high profile client that way because it's the best kind of word of mouth. They see their friend using you. So they know that you're trustworthy and that their friend vouches for you because a lot of people don't necessarily trust equine massage therapists because there are good, there are not very good ones out there and there are less good ones out there. So I do think it's a good idea to really leverage word of mouth referrals. And just even when you're standing there and your client is talking to you and you're helping them and you're talking to them about something, or you're even just focusing on their horse and you talk about them later, um, I always send a text and follow up the next couple of days and see how the horse is doing. Um, And then I always am just super humble. And I say, hey, like, if you know anyone who's looking for someone, can you send them my way? Like, you know, a lot of the time what I say is it's a little bit of a drive to get to you. Like you're like 40 minutes away. Um, Is there any like, do you know anyone else in the area who I could come work on? Because that way it's just a little bit more worth my while to come and work on your horse. Um, (laughs) <laughs> piggybacking off of that you can yeah. also offer group discounts group or discounts um, they can split the travel fee if you have a travel fee like yeah. you can you can give them good offers where it's more attractive to them to have a friend come along and tag on to the appointment have you work on their horse yeah I think that's a really good idea I think I used to do 
right when I started my business, I was like 120 for an hour. But if there were five or more horses, it was 100 for the hour. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, like, people really liked that. That was a... everyone loves a good deal. Yeah, people love a deal. (laughs) Me too. (coughs) I love a deal too. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think networking is really important. But then the next thing that I did that I think really exploded my business was I held educational seminars. So I, of course, love to teach and I love to speak. Um, and so I know that that isn't necessarily for everyone, but at any level you're comfortable with, um, I do really highly recommend hosting a free, um, seminar of some point of some level. So what I did is I had, I put together, uh, clinic, um, you know, an educational, it was about 45 minutes and it was called key muscles involved in your horse's performance and how to stretch them. Super simple, but still sounds interesting. Still doesn't sound too simple, but any horse owner can understand that. And then I went through, um, basically a few different kinds of muscles and what they do and signs that something is bothering them. And then I went through different stretches that the owners could do at home. And then at the end of the seminar, I I said, hey, thank you for coming today. Um, With your first service through me, I'm going to take $20 off if you mention this seminar. Just come up to me at the end. Um, Here's all my business cards. And just uh, let me know if you want to book with me. But one thing I will recommend against is necessarily just giving out your business cards whenever possible, get someone's phone number and text them because that way you're already in their phone. So they're not going to lose you. And you can text them and follow up with them just once you won't bother them, but that way you can just remind them once if they want to book or not. Yeah, for sure. People have very busy lives. Sometimes they need that follow up and they, they think about it again. It really just hooks them. That's something that Maya is just so good at. She is just such a great teacher and public speaker. She presents herself very well. It's something I kind of lack the confidence in. I've been working on since I started my business, honestly, before that, but it's hard. (laughs) It (laughs) is hard to public speak. It is. I get nervous still, honestly. Like, I get the butterflies. (laughs) (laughs) But... I recommend working on that, like put yourself in uncomfortable positions to make yourself more comfortable with things like that. That is what I tried to improve on most my first year. Um, And like, you don't have to start with something like that. Like I did not have the guts to start with that. Honestly, I just started with like little summer pony camps and things like that. And I got comfortable until I could do bigger things. Like now I do demos at my Uh, my old university, Centenary University. So I teach college students about things. And anyone who asks, I'm much more comfortable now. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that... You know, my very first seminar I ever gave, over 70 people came to. I would cry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which was so cool. Um, And that's, like, definitely the power of, like, uh, social media. I posted about it a lot and it being for free. Um, But I do think that, yeah, I mean, if you can just start with presenting to a pony club or just individual barns, um, lesson barns are a great place to start. But I will caution against a lot of lesson barns aren't necessarily going to use you. Um, but the more you can just start to put yourself out there and teach, um, and really position yourself as an expert and an authority in your area on equine massage, that's just a really good place to be. Because I do think that there are a lot of people in my area. First of all, my area is very saturated with equine massage therapists, 
And it's very saturated with equine massage therapists who cost a lot less than me. But I think that because I teach so much um, and I have such a deep, I have a deep well of knowledge that is always growing. I think people look to me and they say, Maya is an expert and I'm going to pay her an expert's cost versus necessarily looking at someone who is maybe just doing a massage to relax their horse. And the interesting thing is that person might have more experience and even know more than me, but because they haven't positioned themselves in the same way I have, um, they might not quite get the same level of clients. For sure. And I really just want to emphasize that you really just need to get yourself out there. Yeah. Be seen by all different types of people, equestrians, um, show up to as many barns as you can, any yeah. horse shows. The more people see you, the more they'll think of you and the more you'll get booked. Exactly. That's what I always like to say is just stay front of mind with people because people are busy, like Brittany said. So whether it's in person, you know, I'm very liable to just, you know, not just show up to a barn, but I'm very (laughs) liable to like, I'm at the barn all the time. I go volunteer at shows. I go um, to like tax stores. You know, I'm just around where other equestrians are and I run into them and they say, oh, hey, Maya, I haven't seen you a couple months. Come back and do my horse. Or if they if they know me but they don't know um, or if they haven't used me before they might see me and say oh my gosh I have this young horse who's been having this issue can you come out and look at them and then social media is just another way to do that so you just stay front of mind like if you are posting um, once every couple of days you know your clients and you're and they're tagging you someone might have had a rough ride on their horse and then open their Facebook and see you know a picture of you working on their horse and their friends saying oh my gosh he felt so good after And then they might say, hey, maybe I should book with her. Just staying in front of people because we're all so busy is going to be just so helpful to your business. And another way of doing that could be dropping off business cards or flyers to random tax shops or just around your local area. Like I remember my first week really in business. I would drive around to all the tax shops. I drop off stacks of business cards and flyers on their Did you get clients that way? I don't know. Honestly, I don't think so. I was just going to say, I don't, I don't know how well that would work, but not, not, not like knocking you, but it's better than nothing, right? Like you may as well, if you don't like on their mind, right. When you don't have clients, you need to be getting clients. Mm -hmm. That needs to be your job. You need to do whatever. So another thing um, that you could do to get your name out there and just a lot of exposure is logo apparel. First of all, it's a tax deduction. So get some pretty cool new clothes for not for free but it's a deduction yeah <laughs> it's the little things it's a, you just write it off yeah <laughs> um so i've been to barns where i'm just riding or just hang out with a friend or something and i'm wearing my logo apparel and they see it and they're like oh do you own that business or like how do you know grayscale equine if they've seen me on um social media and i get to like do my little sales pitch or just tell them who i am and they're either like oh you should come out for my horse or oh i know someone who's looking for a massage therapist or something like that so it's really just great networking um and it's cool clothes (laughs) that's awesome yeah it looks professional and i've definitely gotten clients from (coughs) (laughs) and i've definitely gotten clients from logo wear as well Mm -hmm. i've even literally been out in like a normal people environment, non-horse people, like out to eat. And the waitress is a horseback rider and you don't realize. And then she sees your shirt or something and she's like, oh, you should come out for my horse. That's so cool. When you least expect it. Absolutely. So we went over, you know, we've talked about networking and social media. Um, I I think that another big one that a lot of people ask about is um, a mentor. 
Um, or a lot of people ask, like, how do you get started um, and, like, actually stay in this business? Because I see so many people try to get into this business and then get out of it because um, their their business is just not going the way they think that they need it to. And I do think that you can't overestimate the power of having a mentor, especially in your first year or two of business. Um, I had two different um, really, really helpful mentors, a human and a horse mentor for <laughs> massage. Um, and both those people gave me a lot of confidence that I needed, um, on my technique work. Then, um, I went on and I taught myself a lot about different, um, business things I needed to know and was able to really push my business forward. And it's been cool to be able to help you with that as well. Yeah. Maya has been my mentor for my first year. And honestly, it has been the biggest difference like she has been exactly what I need for just reassurance and the business side of things and I also shadow her for myofascial release and she's just like been all around the best support I could ask for for my first year of business I can't thank you enough you're so sweet (laughs) um but really like she has just been there for every question that I've had that I couldn't figure out on my own um and sometimes you really just need that reassurance and she was exactly what I needed just to feel confident in my services. Absolutely. You know, I think that so much of it is just having someone who is actually telling you you're doing the right thing and you just need to keep going because I think it's super easy to just constantly second guess yourself um, and like think about what you're doing and wonder if you're doing it wrong, um, not only in your technique, but your business overall. But I think that a lot of the time in life, um, things just need time. You know, I think a lot of the time, like I saw with your business, it started slow, but it it picked up very steadily and now you're incredibly busy and it's only your second year. Most businesses fail within their first year within five years. They're still not profitable and you already are profitable and have an amazing business in an area that isn't necessarily super horse dense. So I think that and and you also didn't like come into the area with a huge network of people either like a lot of horse people are able to. So it's it's really cool to be able to be part of that. And I think that so much of business in general and the horse industry is just having staying power. And I think having that support system just allows you to be able to stay, you know, because I think that, you know, for me, mentoring under two men who were very far along in their careers, um, those people would watch me, you know, either watch me work on a horse or um, trade massages with me and really give me super detailed feedback on my technique until I was quite good at it. Um, So I felt super confident about my technique and that confidence translated to not only um, my clients feeling confident, because I think when you're confident about what you do, your client and the horses pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it gave me the confidence to really put myself out there yeah. because I have had um, quite a few like other business people tell me like, oh, well, I'm not good at self-promotion like you are. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm proud of what I do, you know? And I don't think that I'm out there saying like Maya's going to solve all of your problems, but I am confident enough in my techniques um, that I can say, you know, hey, if you have a horse with a back problem, I'd love to help you out. I'm really good at helping horses with kissing spine, mm-hmm. you know, in uh, conjunction with all the other veterinary care that they're receiving. I've had, I've helped a lot of horses with kissing spine. You know, I think having that confidence just makes the biggest difference in your first year. Yeah, for sure. 
And you 100% should take pride in your work. If you aren't proud of what you do, then you need to do a little bit more work with yourself before you offer this as a service. You want to feel confident where you can help the horse. And no, we are not the cure-all. We're not going to solve all of the problems. But I mean, you want to be confident that you are benefiting this horse in some way. Yeah. And I think that you know, a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome. And I do think that very often the remedy to imposter syndrome is evidence. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying like, oh, I feel so bad about myself, like I need to do all these affirmations and I need to, you know, whatever, which affirmations are great. I do affirmations. But instead of saying like, oh, well, maybe all I need is confidence. Well, Yes, you probably need confidence, but you probably need the thing that creates confidence, which is experience and evidence. Like if I have experience and evidence that I've helped so many horses because I've been working on my friend's horses or I've worked on my horse and it's really helped, I feel that much more confident about going out and promoting myself. When it comes to mentorship, um, I do think that it's worth either working for someone or hiring someone. Um, You know, I worked for both of my mentors. Brittany worked for me. And that gave, um, you know, it gave me a lot of one-on-one time with my mentors. And it gave Brittany a lot of one-on-one time with me. Like she would call me and talk to me about um, whatever was going on in the business that she was helping me with. And at the end of the call, I would always check in with her and say, hey, how's business going? What's going on? Like, do you have any questions about the techniques that you're doing? And we could talk about it a lot. Um, But I do think that uh, instead of looking to a mentor as this is someone who's going to make my business for me and solve all my problems, it does start and end with you. You have to have a lot of self-ownership. And then the mentor is just that person who's going to come in and add that extra education and extra confidence. Yeah, for sure. You were definitely my support system um, and my inspiration, honestly. It kept me wanting to be better, to do better. And I could bounce all these ideas off of you. And we could have that conversation and you'd bounce ideas off of me and get the creative juices flowing. Um, And just like a role model. You really... You gave me a good example of what I wanted my business to be and set the standard high. And that's what I wanted to reach. Like I wouldn't accept any lower of a standard. That's really sweet. But, you know, the other thing, too, is like I have no doubt that you would be successful without me. And that was what was so fun about mentoring you is I don't think that you were relying on me, but I think I got to accelerate your success. And that was really fun because you're so self-reliant, hardworking. I loved how you would always ask the right questions though. Like, how can I help you? Or have you thought about this aspect? Would this aspect Mm. help your business? What do you think about this? So you kind of set up the question so that it would help me do the critical thinking (laughs) to find the answer on my own, but you would just kind of direct me to think through these things. That's really sweet. And I I do think it's because, like, I think that everyone has their own individual um, business. And I have so much respect for you as a human being and as a massage therapist. So, you know, I was mentoring you, but I also viewed you as a colleague. And I would occasionally call you and ask you questions. So I think that being able to just have that respect for someone and say, like, well, you're not going to, like, Brittany is not going to have a replica of my business. Um, but I do want to just help her with the tools I have. So it was really fun. But yeah. And I am, um, for anyone listening to this who wants mentorship, I do have some mentorship slots available. Um, Highly I do. recommend it. <laughs> so sweet. Thank you, Brittany. Um, that is available on my website. But 
So mentorship is important. And then um, I think I just had like one or two final tips before we wrap up the episode. I'm sure you have a few tips as well. Do you want to start with yours? You can start. Okay. Um, This is one of my favorite tips to give. Um, I know it might sound silly, but always book your client's next appointment before you leave. So, and you can be super casual about it, um, but just as you're leaving and you're talking about your horse and you're talking about, you know, hey, don't ride for the next 24 hours, please text me how they feel um, in a few days once you get on them and let me know how they do at X show or whatever. And I'll just pull up my schedule as I'm talking to them and we walk to my car and I say, hey, um, is like four weeks out good for you? Did you want to do two weeks because I know he has that big show and he is a little bit sore or did you want to go more like four? Um, And then they say like, oh, like two or four or whatever. Um, And then you can give them a couple days and times like, is this normally a good day and time for you? And you sit there and you just book them and you assume that they want to continue care with you. Um, You can't always give them an out. Like sometimes I'll say like, hey, do you want to like schedule right now as I'm pulling out my book? Or do you want to just text me? Um, Especially like for those clients who travel a lot and stuff. And then they'll just say, you know, oh, let me schedule with you right now just so I have you. Or they'll say, I'll just text you. And then I always follow up in a day or two and say, hey, how did your horse feel? And then also I have X, Y, and Z date available. Which one is best for you? That's exactly how I do it too. Because it also shows them that you care and you want to proceed with them as your client. Um, You see a future with working on their horse. Um, But yeah, I also, I never want my clients to feel like I'm pushing them to schedule just because I want the money. Like I never want them to feel like it's a sales thing. I want them to feel like they have the option of how often they want to see me. I give them an ideal world maintenance plan. I do the same thing. Did you get that from me or did you not? Okay. That's so funny that you do it too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then I, I basically tell them that it's up to them. Um, whatever they feel most comfortable with for that, I'll, I'll come out as much or as little as they want. Yeah, yeah. So, like, an example of that is I'll often say, like, let's say I get a horse with kissing spine. They're in a fair amount of pain. And I'll look at the owner and I'll be like, hey, in an ideal world, I would be able to come out once every week or once every other week, and you would be massaging and stretching them in between, and we'd continue with that care until they are feeling a lot better through their backs, and we're just kind of breaking the pain cycle of what's happening to them right now while you're doing the stretching and the strengthening work in between sessions, and then we can meter out to every three weeks, every four weeks, every six weeks, um, and so on. And I'll say that's ideal. I generally think that that gets you the fastest and most effective results, but I do totally understand that you're on a budget. So, you know, bare minimum, I would really like to see this horse every four weeks. I generally say that I can maintain a horse when I see them every four weeks. I can actually improve a horse if I see them every two weeks. Yeah, I've started uh, introducing my clients to a loading dose phrase. So I explain it that that. way. I found that they understand it a lot better that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense like they have a loading dose of some drugs oh, yeah. um like adequan yeah. yeah they do the loading dose yeah it just it gets them to a more supple baseline that we yes. can maintain where if yeah. we don't do that loading dose the baseline is going to be at a different point right. so you're just maintaining a different baseline if you don't 
you do or you don't do the the loading dose. I really like that. And I'm super honest with people. Like I always say, like, I'm not trying to take your money if your horse felt more comfortable. And there are many horses in my practice. I say, hey, your horse feels really good. I don't need to see them for another mm-hmm. four months. Like, yeah. I really think that I am just the cherry on top to your program. You're clearly riding them well and have a well-fitting saddle and your horse is pretty comfortable. Um, you know, I'm very honest with people. And there have been a lot of horses where, you know, I've been able to do that loading dose and then I've way scaled back. And I exactly. tell people, I just think that's going to be more productive. But, um, you know, everyone has their different budgets. So you just come at it as, as in a very understanding way. For sure. And I always check in after their first session. I always check in. I mean, after every session, but especially after the first session, I check in to see how the horse is feeling. And then, um, by our second appointment, I say, did you feel the benefits start wearing off after a certain point? Because that will give us a better understanding for how long in between sessions it should be and what the owner feels comfortable that's waiting so funny. until. I tell them the same thing. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's so funny. <laughs> well, yeah, because I'll say, you know, I think that sometimes the horse lets you be a guide. Like sometimes mm-hmm. the, especially, you know, if, if it's, I do sometimes say like, if you're on a budget, we can kind of work with you and like, why don't you text me, you know, in two weeks and tell me, does your horse still feel really good or they, is it starting to wear off? Because if it's only lasting two weeks, we probably need to do every two weeks mm-hmm. for like six to eight weeks to get them more comfortable. But if it's lasting a whole month and it's just starting to wear off by like the third week and then they're kind of starting to go down, then great. We can do every month. Exactly. Um, you oh, know, I think. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of massage therapists are not in it for the money, believe it or not. Like, yeah. <laughs> we are so in it because we love horses and we love helping right. horses. And yeah. We don't want to take your money. Like we, yeah. we have trouble raising our prices because yeah. we feel bad. Like we just want to help all of the horses that we can. Yeah. So if your horse is doing great, we're not going to try to schedule them for more than they need. Like we will be completely honest for you. I'm speaking for yeah. us at least. I don't know about yeah. everyone, yeah. but for well, the most part. Yeah. And I think just having that super like transparent conversation mm-hmm. with your clients, I think they really appreciate. Exactly. And yeah. then if they do need it a little bit more frequently, they'll trust you and they'll let you come out every two weeks if your horse needs it for a little bit and yeah. they won't think that you're just trying to jip them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What other tips do you have? So when I was determining pricing for my business, it was probably the hardest thing. And I like, I was going back and forth and yeah, I, like, I remember talking I to you. I, you <laughs> asked me, you asked me so many times and I was like, make it more expensive. Make it more expensive. <laughs> like, but I don't know. Cause I posted in the Facebook groups, a survey and I was like asking the general public in my That's area, worst how much you can do. <laughs> I thought I was so smart doing it, how much they would pay for a massage. And it was all like 60 to $70. And I'm like, right. well, I am just starting like, maybe I should charge that. But then Maya was like the biggest difference and straightened my mind. (laughs) She said something that really resonated with me. Um, She said that you want to price for the client that you want to grow with. You don't, you don't want to have to raise your prices and then you'll lose clients because they're just trying to pay that much if you raise your price. So then you'll have to find a new client base. Whereas if you, start with your prices a little higher you're getting the clients that you want to eventually have and they can grow with you instead of finding a new client base every single time you raise your prices in addition to (laughs) telling me that i need to know my worth because i am a little bit more experienced than most people starting out i have a four-year degree i have all of this working experience as a groom a manager a vet tech so 
I am starting a little bit ahead of some people. Um, and I need to know my worth and price for my worth. And it's so hard to do that. And you feel like you're it's not terrifying. staying humble. Or, yeah. yeah. And I'm not a very cocky person. Like, I <laughs> never want to be like that. So I needed her to tell me to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I had my mentor tell me the same thing right when I first started because he was getting a percentage of my um, sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, basically, like, he just told me, because I remember he referred me some clients and then um, texted me what to charge them. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, no, there's no. And, but, but I did it because I was like, well, you know, he like he knows um, yeah. the market and everything. And I'm so thankful he did that because the advice I gave Brittany is something I know now retrospectively, which is that the clients who are willing to pay $60 for a massage are not the same clients who are willing to pay $120 or $150 plus. So, you know, I'm expensive. I'm at the, I would say I'm probably the most expensive person in my area. Um, but I think that because of that, I have the best clients who really value me. And if you just think about, like, if you were going to get a service, like nails, hair, massage, and you were paying only $50 for it, or if you're paying $200 for it, who would you assume is better? And who would you treat with more respect? Who would you show up early for, be nice and clean, be respectful of their time, And it's probably the person who charges more, even if they're the exact same therapist or service person. Exactly. You know, I know I've heard so many horror stories of clients and people in this industry. So many people. And I also just see so many people in our industry get burned out. Mm -hmm. Whereas because I started at a more premium level, I've always attracted clients who value me and my services and... I make enough money that I don't, I do work on a crazy amount of horses, but I don't have to. I can take off two weeks at a time and go visit my family when I need to. I can afford to pay someone to do my bookkeeping so that I can focus on horses. Um, I can afford to pay for a chiropractor and a massage therapist every month to keep my body feeling good. Our jobs are amazing, and you don't want to charge an arm and a leg because you want to help all these horses. I totally get that, but you need to prioritize your own well-being as well because at the end of the day, I mean, it is a business. You have to be making a living wage or you're not going to be able to survive. So you need to be able to be healthy and well mentally and physically to be able to help all of these horses. Right. And that way, when you charge a little bit of a more premium price, you're more able to feel comfortable. Like I'm super comfortable taking the time to get to know a lot of the time. My first session with a client is like more instead of, you know, they pay for an hour. But a lot of the time, my first session with a client is 90 minutes or sometimes even more because I'm just sitting down. And I'm really like I'm taking a long time to look over the horse. I'm watching videos of the person riding them. I'm getting a really in-depth history on the horse from from the owner and I take the time before and after my sessions to get a really good understanding of what's happening because I charge more I feel a lot more comfortable giving more to my clients and they get a really good experience and they feel really taken care of I think that a lot of people just want to feel like someone is really in their corner and taking care of them and their horse exactly and we don't charge extra for anyone reaching out at any point no. like we encourage it we want 
to get those updates. We want to help you in any way we can. Um, and that just kind of helps us allow us to be able to do that. Exactly. Yeah, so definitely I can't give anyone listening to this exactly what they should price themselves. But definitely, you know, first of all, I don't think that just looking around and kind of pricing yourself similar to everyone else is a very good strategy. I would say price yourself a little bit above. Um, and but if you have the above, if you have a higher level of education and experience and you can provide such a good experience with your service. Exactly. You have to be very honest with yourself and your clients. Right. And then there's another thing um, that you want to start right off the bat. Set your standards for your clients because you really want to be picky with your clients. Even it's going to be so scary at the beginning because you don't have clients really. I remember you had the craziest client your first year. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I remember that so vividly and being like, girl, you got to get out. And you were like, I got to pay my bills. It was scary. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she's not my client anymore. They are not my client anymore <laughs> for a very good reason. And like, you should be picky right now. I can speak for both of us. I think that we yeah. have a really great group of clients. I love my clients. Yeah. yeah. And everyone says, oh, you must deal with all of the crazy horse people. Nope. Honestly, no. Nope. I have wonderful rela- relationships with everyone. And yeah. I'm so thankful for that. And yeah. I don't think I would have that if I priced myself a little lower and didn't set my standards and uh, boundaries so clear at the very beginning. So I think that's so important right off the bat. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, just having a really professional standard um, with your clients and you know everything you just said is just really true. Yeah, for sure. And you also want to look the part as well. Um, I know a lot of people go out in leggings or such. And I, from my university, they pounded it into our brain that you want to look the part. You want to look professional so people take you a little bit more seriously and things like that. You always want to be um, dressed and acting like there's someone, like a client around or someone that will notice you from your business because you're always representing your business. I think that's a really, really good Last, so do you have a last parting pieces of advice? Hmm. I think just setting yourself up for success again, like preparing your knowledge and your experience. So shadow vets, shadow farriers, mm-hmm. shadow any professional you can in the industry and just get so many different perspectives um, and different experiences. See as many horses as you can volunteer at therapeutic riding centers or lesson barns and just get your hands on as many horses as you possibly can because you really need to know what the so-called norm is for the tissue you're working on and it's going to be different for a lot of different breeds different ages disciplines i mean every horse is different so you want to be confident on what you're feeling um, and knowing what you're feeling yeah i really like that and i think i'll just add something to that Um, I really think of education, you know, if I think of it as a tree growing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if this is ground level, I think that your roots are your formal education. And the way you grow up is your experience. And I think that you have to go evenly. You know, I think that in the beginning, you have a lot of formal education so you have and you're growing these really nice deep roots and then you slowly start to build experience but then I think that you know people get into one of two things either 
they don't have a lot of formal education. So as they start to go and get more experience in their business, their business topples over because they're not educated enough to really support themselves and provide the experience and the quality of service. Or people get so into that formal education without being in their business and actually working on horses and having that higher level of education that they almost get like analysis paralysis and just grow down but really have like nothing to show for it they have that formal education but because they haven't learned to apply it um, they don't have the confidence they need to be in their business so I think as you go through life have that deep well and deep roots of knowledge and formal education but be very mindful to continue your experience and your hands-on education as well. Remember that there's a balance to both so that you're able to be really stable and strong in your business. I love the way you explain that. You need a really solid foundation, the roots, but I mean, you need a full tree as well. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brittany, for coming on. I hope everyone that this was super helpful for you. And just a reminder, I do have mentorship, um, I do have mentorship available on my website. Just go to freelyforwardbodywork.com or send me a DM on Instagram and I can send you the information to apply. Thanks for having me. Thanks. It's been fun.